Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 599, and today I'm excited because I'm going to share with you some lessons and some takeaways from 32 bootstrap businesses that we met with. And I say we, myself, Greg Mercer, Steve Chu, and Mike Jockness. Uh, no, it's it's Jackness. That's a little inside joke. So uh, if Mike is listening to this, he'll get it. It's actually Mike Jackness. Um, actually, I'll let you guys in on the little on the little inside joke. He always gets my name wrong, and he's known me for a long time. It's either he calls me Steve instead of Scott, or he calls me Scott Valker and, and not Volker. So anyway, Mike Jockness is uh, <laughs> is going to be joining me in this episode, um, in this recording. What we did was we wrapped up in San Diego. We spent three days, long days. We had guest judges, which I'm not going to give those away right now. And we met with 32 bootstrap businesses and we, uh, we had them pitch us in five minutes. It's called five minute pitch. That's the name of the show. Uh, if you want details on, on what's happening there, and if you even want to apply to be on season two, go to five minute pitch.com. You can get all the details there. But what we did was we were getting ready for dinner. And I said, you know what guys, let's fire up the mic. I actually brought my mics with me. And I said, let's sit out on the, uh, on the back patio. And, uh, it's actually a little balcony and, uh, let's just, let's kind of recap like what's happened since we've narrowed it down to the final four. And, and, you know, again, we, we kind of went through like what we heard and, you know, like some that we could see had a bright future. Some of them are going to probably struggle, but some of them also, we gave some advice, which they're probably going to take and run with uh, one in particular that I know of that we totally like just repositioned his marketing. So he's going to be going after a different part of the market. And he was really excited about that, but I'm not going to give it all away here. Cause we actually talk about the different takeaways that we all took from you know going through this process, which was a lot of fun. I really do look at like these guys as some of my closest friends now in uh, you know not just in business, just in general. Uh, Greg Mercer, great guy. Steve Chu and Mike Jockness, uh, Jackness. Uh, so yeah, I, it, it was just a lot of fun. We had a ton of fun, a lot of work though. Um, but I can't wait for you guys to uh, to be able to watch this season, which is going to be amazing. And I can't wait for you guys to hear all of the different businesses and all of the advice and, and just different feedback that we gave, but also our guest judges gave. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, we are going to be picking the winner. Actually, we're going to have the audience participate at Sellers Summit this year in Miami. So if you have not picked up your ticket for Sellers Summit, there is a handful left, I believe, at as the time of this recording, go check out sellersummit.com. Again, I'll leave everything linked up in the show notes. This is episode 599. So the amazing seller.com forward slash 599. All right, guys. So I'm going to stop talking so you can listen to this conversation that I have with three of my closest friends, Greg Mercer, Steve Chu, and Mike Jockness. Love you, Mike. All right, here we go, fellas. Sitting out here, San Diego. Out on a patio. Might be a little helicopter noise, but we'll get through it. Get that mic a little closer oh, to you, Mike. Okay, here we go. Mike, get the close mic. Mike, get the mic Yeah, get, get it closer to your face. Yeah. So we have Mr. Steve Chu, Chow. Steve Chow. Uh, it's Sexy Chu, but someone it's did an inside joke. call him Chow. It yeah. is an inside joke. We have uh, Mr. Uh, Mercer here, Mr. Greg Mercer. We have uh, Mr. Steve Jackness. I mean, Mike Jackness. <laughs> That's another inside joke. In the house. And of course, myself. We all did it, though. That was what's funny. It is. It is. Well, you know, we had each other on... Uh, each other's podcasts, and we talked about this five-minute pitch thing. 
Now and it's a wrap. It's it's a wrap. We're sitting here having a couple of uh, cocktails and getting ready for dinner, actually. Uh, we're actually waiting for dinner. Uh, we're going to go get dinner. But we wrapped up, and we had three days together. And it was a lot of fun. Man. A lot of fun, yeah. but, man, I'll tell you what, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work, but they always say, like, when you're having fun, you're not working. That is true. That is true. What I want to do here, though, is while it's fresh in all of our heads, we got to spend some time with some really awesome bootstrap businesses. A lot of them are bootstrapped. Some of them were pre-revenue. Some of them were, you know, already making some really great money. What I want to do is kind of talk about, like, this space, it's, it's changed since three years ago probably a year and a half ago. What do we like about what we've seen? What do we feel like is the essentials to being successful with a, you know, with a bootstrap business? Like, can it still be done? A hundred percent can still be done. We just saw 20 something of the 32 companies that, that are crushing it. Uh, so it obviously can still be done. A lot of them are still young. The thing I think that's really key to your question is, I think the the most important thing now is uniqueness and defensibility. It cannot be in any way, shape, or form a Me Too product. You have to have something with some intellectual property, something that's defensible because you're really creative or it's really hard to knock off. I think those are probably the keys in my mind. I agree with that. And it was fun seeing all these different businesses, right? A lot of different types of businesses. We saw software businesses. We saw marketplaces, people who invented their own products with patents and similarly uh, like some Me Too businesses, right? I would say that Amazon is still a great place to get started. I think we saw that with a lot of our contestants. When they were trying to get started, they were trying to make those first few dollars. Amazon's by... I think everyone would agree that it's a great, easy place to get started. Then you can pivot into something else. What are your thoughts, Steve? I was surprised at how swayed I was at someone's personality. Like I went into some of these pitches thinking, well, without giving away the product, it was a commodity product, really saturated, and I was ready to write it off right away. But this guy's personality and the fact that he just put so much passion into his presentation really swayed me. And so it just reminded me of the importance of really putting yourself out there as like a personal brand in front of your products, which will make everything a lot more successful, more likely to succeed. That was definitely a common theme, wasn't it? All of the ones that were doing well or a lot of the tips to to companies that maybe weren't doing as well or needed to improve was it helps to have a face to a brand and someone that can get out there and that can be relatable and someone who you want to purchase from. It even overcame the numbers in a lot of cases, right? Sometimes the numbers didn't really add up, but the guy's personality just... Put it through. Yeah. Or gals. Or, or right. yeah. We, right. we had an equal number of guys and gals. Pitching. We did. We did. We did, which was really exciting. And there were some very successful uh, women, uh, actually. And uh, <laughs> there was one, and I'm not going to give it away. If you guys want to follow along, you better go over to 5minutepitch.com and, and sign up over there. Um, you can't obviously enter the contest anymore, but you can sign up to get notifications when we air new episodes. It's going to be a full season. It's going to be amazing. Uh, it's going to be exciting. And you're going to learn a lot through this process, too, because as you hear us kind of give advice or even just feedback, you can kind of learn. There's one business in particular came in with an idea. Now, he didn't make it through, almost made it through. He made it through the first round, but he didn't move on because we almost gave him the advice to pivot and switch gears a little bit, which mm-hmm. he took. And he did do that. 
But I think it's also being someone that doesn't marry to an idea or if you're that early, can you rebrand or can you switch and pivot? And I think I think you can. Um, but I really just think that if you if you have not even just the face, but if you have the presence in in the in the, the market, if you have a me too product, I still think you can sell that product if you are the one that people are gonna want to buy from. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Almost everything in some way, shape, or form is a Me Too product because, like, everything, almost everything's been invented. There's still things that get invented, but there's very few people that really do that. It was definitely pervasive with the personalities. The There were some awesome stories. There was one guy that was talking. Again, I don't want to give things away, but the story really Go struck to five minute pitch. Go to 5minutepitch.com. <laughs> sign up today to be notified. But this guy was talking about how he, like, went down to the port and, like, you put the inventory in the back of a U-Haul truck that he rented. And, like, you got to be willing to hustle. And, and go all in in your business. And it definitely, that was a, a theme throughout the entire thing. Another common thread that I really picked up on is people who create a brand or market their product that is very much like a powerful or even sometimes like one-sided type brands. I don't actually, I don't know great words to describe this, but let me give an example if you were selling soap, for example... Ah, I was going to use the same example. Go on. And if you said that this soap is only for tough men or girly hands can't take this soap or being very binary and like almost creating enemies in your branding, but at the same time creating a like loyal or passionate following because they feel like they fit inside of the area that you're marketing to... I really like companies like that, especially in saturated or just very competitive niches. One thing that really hit me, and I got affected a lot by the personality they, the person presenting. One guy, he had a spotty internet connection, and it was a wireless connection. So he actually went out in the middle, bought 150 feet of Cat5 cable, wired his house for internet so that he could participate in the five-minute pitch. And as soon as I heard that story, I was like, man, I love this guy. I know he's going to succeed. Yeah. You know, again, I, we heard a lot of stories of people that could have just given up. You know, there's one in particular made it on a very, very popular TV shopping show. I won't mention the name. We won't give it away. And had huge success. Then had a huge, like, obstacle. And you could have given up on that. Hasn't given up. And is going to be uh, a pretty cool little story to follow here, when uh, when they're they're being uh, sent through or not sent through. They are being sent through. We'll just say that right there now. Was, there uh, was <laughs> several companies though that you could say that about. There was someone that was a lot got into a bad uh, cash flow situation. There was someone that, uh, well, I think it was actually the same person who had cancer, which is you mm-hmm. know, obviously an you know, obstacle overcome. Uh, there was. Just people running out of inventory and like the guy was just talking about the guy going down to the port and doing this. Entrepreneurs, like the successful entrepreneurs, are going to face adversity. I felt I faced so much adversity. I could tell you we don't have time to get into all of them. I mean, there's been some really crazy <laughs> stories, but you have to be willing to to deal with that. And and my friend Grant, who I used to do the podcast with, would say that the reason I'm successful is because I learned how to fail forward. So when you you, you mm. fail, you take that as a way to go forward and, and learn from that and become a better entrepreneur. And I saw that theme here throughout almost all of the pitches, which was really neat. Yep. Let me ask you guys this question. Maybe we can just hand the mic around here. 
like, what do you think that something that stood out from just about everybody? What was one thing that stood out to you of why, you know, why they've even gotten to where they are and why they're not even afraid to even share what they're doing publicly? Because they are going to be sharing it here on this show, right? So they feel so confident in what they're doing. They're willing to go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to do this and I don't care who knows. I think it's because a lot of the people who are successful were actually using the products that they were developing. They, they were experts in their field, and they found deficiencies in the tools they were using and decided to create a better product. And the fact that they're actually using it, they, they have domain knowledge over the product they're trying to sell. Everyone that made it through the first round, I think it's easy to say that they were all just like pure hustlers. They just made things happen or made it work. Um, you know, they hit all kinds of obstacles. They had to step outside their comfort zone. But it's like everyone shared that same trait that they were just like hustlers, and it didn't matter like what their background was or their education or if they had any experience in or whatever else. Like they were just driven to make it happen. I can speak to this for personal experience. And we have a podcast. I talk about pretty much everything we do completely openly. And the reason I can do that confidently is because I feel like what we do as a business adds tremendous value to the product and the community and the people we serve. And if you're just creating a Me Too product and and trying to to quote unquote hustle like in the the more bad sense of the word, where you're just trying to buy and resell something and just make money in a short term experience, of course you're going to be more guarded on what you're talking about. But we're creating a brand and products that our our fans and customers love. And I think that's why the people that came on the five minute pitch here, they all exude that, right? That, that they, they all had a lot of passion, add a lot of value, either by creating something really original or even taking products that weren't necessarily original and adding a lot to those products. I, I got something for you, though, here, because this kind of, and, and I want your opinion, your opinion, and I'm pointing, Mike. Mike, <laughs> Steve, <laughs> no. uh, because I agree with you, but I disagree with you. Here's here's what I'm saying. Okay, for myself right now, I started a brand with a partner 18 months ago. I feel like I wouldn't have had as much of a head start if I would have let everyone know. And I think Greg can probably speak to this if he wants to be honest. Um, you're you're If you're going to build a true brand, unless you just want to show the process, if I'm just going to show you the process... I don't care if the brand gets hacked. It's kind of like the niche site duel that uh, Pat Flynn did with uh, with Spencer or Spencer did with someone else. They've all told me, like, it's been hacked. Backlinks have negative backlinks. They try to bring you down. Someone else tries to rip it off. If you get a head start, I, I agree with you. But if you were going to do that right this second, today, and do that from day one, I think you'd be at a disadvantage now, these people have all started, so that's why they're not worried about that. But if they started from scratch, it's going to be harder. Would you agree or disagree that it would be harder to start with publicly going out there and sharing everything you're doing, even though you have the chops, right? It's going to, like like with Color It, you kind of started before you started sharing everything, correct? We actually pretty much shared it from day one. Did I, you? I, I throw caution to the wind with this. I, I'm going to... This is not an advisable. I, I first of all, I agree with you. Yeah. Let, let's just start there. Like I agree that it probably puts us at a disadvantage. We're sitting there talking about all the things that we're doing. It gives you an opportunity to have more people copy. They're like, oh, that's a great idea. Like you know, exactly. Uh, I'm sure as soon as uh, the, the first people talking about garlic presses, you know, yeah. Then all of a sudden they're all being copied. Right. So I, I get that. I really do. But 
I'm also at a point where we're financially independent and secure and I'm more confident in myself and I don't care about that as much. And one other thing is like, I don't ever profess to sell a hundred percent of everything in that particular niche anyway. Like, mm. you know, I'm not going to sell all the colored pencils in the world or all the mm. gel pens and we're cutting out our own lane. And if I let someone else catch me, I always feel like that's my fault for, uh, you know, not uh, working harder or, or mm. doing a better job. So I'm, I'm a little bit weird when it comes to this, but I, I have to agree with you. I think you're, you're dead on it. It puts us in a spot that we don't need to necessarily put ourselves into. Right. And I'm looking at Steve, like he, he created his brand before he really. So I got my opinion on that. And when I started, my wife quit her job. Yeah. My wife was actually really scared that people were going to knock off on Mobile Linux. Oh yeah. Fundamentally, there's nothing really, there's no IP involved in that business. You guys doing personalization though. We do personalization, but this was even before personalization. Oh, I started it? the blog before that. It okay. was just me too products. And it's still to a certain yeah. extent is me too yeah. products, even though we have our own designs now, but I was confident in, in just my abilities to market. And I just wasn't worried. We actually had a whole bunch of knockoffs, believe it or not. We had like uh, hummingbird linens and I think queen bee. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even joking. And queen bee linens. Queen bee. And uh, these are people clearly that were uh, reading the blog and that sort of thing. And they even, used our, they even used our photos to put up a mock shop. I don't know if they were actually selling anything there. But, you know, over the years, those guys just slowly trailed off. I think actually hearing you three guys, what comes to mind is an idea is worthless without execution. And it doesn't matter if they also have the idea to start bumblebee linens or also have the idea to sell colored pencils or coloring books that there's a lot of execution involved, right? These are at the end of the day, still businesses and businesses are a lot of work. You have to get up every day. You have to sometimes grind and do the stuff that's not sexy and that we often don't maybe talk about or write about. And these are just like monotonous tasks that you kind of have to do every day to grow your business. They hear about it on a 30-minute podcast. It sounds so sexy. And then they realize like when they go try to do this for a year, how much execution it does take. And it's a lot more work than probably they realize. Yeah. I'm going to speak to, like I said, because I, I get that question every now and then. Like, why, why aren't you publicly doing it? For me personally... When I went in with this partner, it's almost now I'm trying to protect the partner because they are depending on this business more so than I would be. So because of that, and also we have an exit strategy. We didn't want to you know, hurt that. Um, but I agree with you. And I've often thought about doing that almost like Greg's doing, like a public case study. Um, I even thought about doing that with niche sites, to be honest with you. I've thought about doing like a public niche site to show people how to build content, how to build an email list, how to set it up properly, how to how it's going to take time. It's going to take 12 to 18 months before you see any traffic at all. I mean, Mike, you can speak to that. I know you can as well, You Steve. see this in blogging all the time. People will just outright copy your content or just slightly reword it. Yeah. But those blogs are never successful. It's all yeah. about, you know, the brand and the person behind yeah. it and yeah. the voice. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to go on that a little bit. Like, how important do you think it is right now? For someone, and like Greg said, I agree, and I advise people, start on Amazon. But that's not where you end. That's where you start. That's with the launch pad. I look at that as a launch pad. It can be a significant channel. You can make a lot of money. We have one person that we're sending through that is making 95% of money on there. Uh, two or Over 500 SKUs, like 35K net a month, like a beautiful brand. Most of it's on Amazon. Uh, but they have a pretty, you know, a pretty good product that they don't have to worry about someone just going and ripping them off. They still could, though. They still could. Um, but what, how, how important is that, Mike, that, that, you know, you have something that you could either blog about or you could create content around and bring people in versus it just being the product? 
can I answer the question about Amazon just real quick? Yeah, yeah. Back to that, because I'm really passionate about this. You know, I, I started actually off Amazon, so I'm one of the crazy ones that, that started doing it all off Amazon. And you know, all of us have courses and podcasts and teach this stuff. I think you're absolutely out of your mind if you don't get started on Amazon. If you're just absolutely getting, if you're getting started in e-commerce, learning how to pick, pack, and ship, and deal with logistics and labeling and, 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 and customer service and all this different traffic and everything else is a massive undertaking. You have so much other stuff you can focus on, like getting the product right and photography and, and building a good listing. And at some point, there'll be this crossroads where you're going to want to grow your off Amazon channel because you don't want all of your eggs in one basket. But you have to have a business that's large enough to want to diversify first. And mm -hmm. I think you have to be well into seven figures before you before you hit that crossroads. So for me, I, I completely agree with you. Like you would want to get started on Amazon. Let them take care of all those headaches. You don't even realize what those headaches are. You can learn about those later. <laughs> Worry about taking baby steps in the beginning. Mm. What's your thoughts, Steve? I think you got to be a little bit careful. I know for the students in my class, they start on Amazon. They have some success. But then they just kind of lose track of their brand. And uh, it's like a drug, really. Point, yes. It's like a drug. It so you get used to it, and that's where the money's coming in, and you may as well just put all of your fuel to the fire there. So I encourage them to, once they have some traction, to you know work on their site on the side. Just kind of build it up. Don't divert all of your resources. Definitely like press the Amazon channel until you've kind of saturated it or done the best that you can. Mm -hmm. But you got to think about building that brand, and that can really only be done outside. Mm -hmm. uh, running a website... Uh, requires you to learn how to like take payments, to launch uh, listings on your own site, to deal with sales tax collection, to do email marketing, Facebook ads. Uh, like I mean, like I, the list goes on and on. And you can eliminate all those things if you start with the Amazon thing. And I completely agree with, with Steve. As I was saying, there's this, this crossroads. At some point, you cross over to that makes sense for your business. But if you're getting started as a solopreneur, it's going to be an overwhelming amount of stuff if you try to start selling off Amazon as your first point of contact. Let me ask you guys a question that is a question I struggle with every single week. How do you decide or know when to double down more on what's working versus diversifying or trying to do more things? Yeah. All right, but wait a minute, though. Let's, let's ask the question. Are we talking about just business in general? Are we talking about, are you alluding to if Amazon's working, why don't you just double down on Amazon versus doubling down on, you know, maybe just building your business? I'd like to hear just like your general thinking around it. And I think that can pertain to different areas. Uh, Amazon's a good example, right? You know, the Amazon stuff comes very easily to me. It's very easy for me to double down on it and launch more products. And if I look back at like my history as an entrepreneur, I think actually most of the mistakes I've made are trying to diversify more or trying to do more things or start a new project or a new whatever else instead of really doubling down on like what I'm great at. It's I don't have an answer here. This is why I'm asking you smart fellows. It's something I struggle with every week. Ooh, it really comes down to a, a gut feel for me. Mm. And I'm just kind of a paranoid person in general. No. So I'm like Jackness. I, you're, you're more, <laughs> Jackness is more paranoid. Right? Uh, when you say? Let, let me just, let me just, I'm going to let you keep going here, but I just want to let people know go to fiveminutepitch.com because you're going to want to sign up for this because there's a lot of, um, 
a lot of smack talk going on here. <laughs> and, yeah, what's nice is we all got different personalities. Yeah, so c- continue. And they all conflict. I don't know what was Mr. Chow. About? Oh, we we're talking about. Ri- <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about what uh, risk tolerance yes. feels right. Yeah. So for me, like I treated, it, I treat everything like a drug. Like if I get too addicted, and, and my income goals aren't as lofty as Mr. Mercer's, for example, who wants to start like a nine-figure company. I just, I'm satisfied with like a seven, probably just a seven-figure business. Yeah. So as soon as it gets to a certain point. I want to protect that income, mm. and so that's why it's important for me to diversify. Yeah, I'm very similar to you. I think you know, you and I are both very similar. I I know what Greg's saying. Like, if something's really working, like just double down. I pour more gas on it. I get that, but I also look at for me like safety net. Like, like I'm building an asset that I I know is stronger than just doubling down. Because if I double down and I and I I'm collecting that money, what am I doing with that money? Am I just putting it into a bank account or am I taking that money and reinvesting it? And then if I am reinvesting it, is it still dependent on the thing that I'm doubling down on? So those are the things that I think about. Lately, I've been talking about basically diversifying because I I want to take advantage of the opportunity, but I do not want to bank on that. And if it goes away, then I'm going to feel really, really like, you know, scared in a sense, right? Like It's like, oh my gosh, like I, I bet on this one horse. I should have been probably, you know, betting on more than just the one horse. I have a lot to say about this subject. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scott's going to tell me to stop talking so much. That was another thing that was up. Uh, it was. You got really pitch. chatty. I did. At the later parts of the day. And maybe alcohol. I don't know. You've been out here drinking a beer. You so. had about a third of a beer so or three quarters of a beer. So maybe you're going to chat a little bit more. We'll yeah. see. Well, I'm philosophical these days. I'm philosophical. I'm, I'm philosopher Jackness now. But so the question that Greg asked was, when do you double down? And uh, Steve was just saying, I'm paranoid. And these two things actually kind of go hand in hand in some ways, because when you've been an entrepreneur for any length of time through multiple economic cycles and just business cycles and whatever else it might be, you're going to experience a bunch of different things. And I've been through a lot as you know, I've been on my own doing I quit my job in in 2004. I was not sure my, my whole life, but I. I've been doing this since since 2004, and I think that there's a lot of sound philosophy behind doubling down on something that's working. Like, just keep on doing what's working until one day you get your toe stubbed or, you know, your hand caught in the door or whatever, you know. Amazon like, shuts your Amazon countdown. Amazon shuts your countdown. I mean, that, that hasn't happened, but, like, I mean, that type of a thing. That, that, You've listings just suspended. We have. Had, How does that feel? Listening. It does not feel good. Thank you. Uh, thank you. For, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for, like, Hold on a minute. Therapist. Let me just dig. Let me let me just pour a little salt in that wound. How does that feel, feel good, good my friend? It does not feel good. Okay. So, you know, when when that type of thing happens, you get you get rattled. You get paranoid. And and, and when you're younger, it, just like anything else, when you're younger, you feel indestructible and you don't think this will happen. But when you've had multiple things like that happen, you start to get more paranoid, more guarded. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is here. Is is the bottom line at the end of the day. I think all of us struggle with this. Like I definitely struggle with this, like almost on a daily basis. And there isn't necessarily a right answer. I can say, you know, there's a there's a couple of sayings like if you chase two rabbits, both will get away. And I have a propensity of trying to do too many things. And if you are doing too many things, you're not necessarily doing one thing at the highest level or mm. excelling. Um, but at some point, you know, when what I would say here, just to wrap it up without talking too much more. It's getting chattery. It is getting chatty. <laughs> I don't think you should diversify until you have a business you need, you know, until you're at a 
you're past your risk profile. When your risk profile gets to the point where, like, if you think every day, like, if my business got shut down, Greg's about to say something uh, and make fun of me. I want to just stop talking. I already know I'm going to make fun of. All right, go make fun of me. Go ahead. I'm actually not going to make fun of you, Jackness. My advice or what I just want to say here is I think for 99.9% of the people listening to this podcast right now, actually the answer is to double down on what's working, whatever's making them money and to do a better job at it. Again, like I, I get the whole paranoia and that, you know, these different things happen and whatever else, but there's also a certain level of uh, just devoting brain power and your time and mental energy to other projects that probably statistically speaking are not going to be successful as whatever you're good at and can actually make money with. So yeah, that would be my advice for everyone listening. It's funny, Greg, do you actually follow your own advice? Cause wasn't there a period where you were on this acquisition spree and you had all this stuff going on and <laughs> yeah. And that's what I, I, I started this whole thing off with saying like, if I look back in my entrepreneurial career, that I would say like those are actually the biggest mistakes that I've made that like trying to like do more or go to do like other things instead of like really just like double tripling down on my core strengths and what actually is work works really well for me. That's assuming that money is your goal or success in that certain avenue. I like to diversify sometimes to just build a different skill set altogether. Uh, yeah. I, well, and I, I want to, again, with, with Greg, are, are we talking about let's let's use an example. Amazon's working really good. I've got someone right now in my inner circle, okay? And his whole goal before he became part of our inner circle was just continue to launch products, stay ahead by launching more products. Then all of a sudden, competition's going to come in. You're going to lose those products. You're just going to keep staying ahead that way. And to me, you're always going to be behind because that inventory that you can no longer sell is going to then hurt you because you can't get rid of it because you know that that's coming, right? They're coming for you. Right. But if you were to diversify or at least and again, doubling down could mean doubling down on your brand. It could be like building out your external channel. It could be building out your content, building out traffic to your own site. Right. Like our our uh, website right now for the new brand started from zero. We have over 70,000 uniques every single month and that's growing. We're getting we're, we're putting ad thrive on there now. We're going to have stuff that's not even linked to an Amazon product, not even our own physical product. You know, maybe $5,000 a month comes in, in recurring revenue now. So is that worth doubling down on? There's no right or wrong answer to any of these. And that's what makes it so hard. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to get the... I love you, it. That's what I want. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to get you guys is like thinking behind it or maybe, you know, just how you think about these different obstacles. Because I think this is actually fundamentally one of the most challenging questions are one of the challenge, most challenging things that entrepreneurs run into. And we saw it all throughout the five-minute pitch. Yeah. We I saw mean, different people. You know, For some people, I was like, whoa, 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 don't launch that second product. Like You haven't even given the first product right. like what it deserves yet. You, know, like, you need to still give that some more love and get it some more customers and whatever else. And then there were other people that I was like, man, like that's going really well, whatever else. It makes sense to now kind of try to do this other thing. And it's a very, very challenging question. Like I started with, I struggle with it every single week. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle from shiny object syndrome. And if, if there's one thing that's probably got me in trouble over all these years is that. So I've been like laser focused on e-commerce over the last like seven, almost seven years, six years. And it's really helped. I mean, like just sticking with now, obviously, like we've got multiple brands and we got a lot going on with e-commerce, but at least I'm staying focused 
with an e-commerce. And I have not allowed myself to get sucked into other things, even though there's been a lot of really interesting and like cool opportunities. I've been trying to stay within within one field, at least. And, and even then, like I'm not saying I've done everything right, but shiny object syndrome is definitely... Wait a, a second, religion. though. I know about a podcast and a course. It's all and, uh, <laughs> Okay. So I'm taking... Okay. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to defend it. I'm going to... It's. I'm not saying it's 100 percent right. I'm it's gonna like saying I'm it. doing all this stuff, but it's still business. It's just well, business, hey, right? I mean, you, you can. I mean, it's fine. I, I get it. I can. I like. I, I like the criticism. Like we can talk about more about this offline because. Offline. Uh, well, <laughs> let's talk about it now. We can talk about it now. Let's talk about it now. You guys can grill me now if you want, but um, there's a lot to be said. I mean, the, I get more fulfillment from doing the podcast and do the podcast has led to this. Like if you it know, wasn't for I that, got a question for you because I get this question. Yeah. So. If that's the case and you enjoy like building businesses, right? Why don't you just build like more businesses? Why do, why do the podcast? Why do e-commerce? Like uh, you know, like courses and training. I, I get that a lot. Like, why don't you just go build ten businesses? Well, right? first of all, it's not easy. Building a business is not easy. You it's can't, not. Uh, it's not. And my answer always, and I want your take on this, and all of you really, is like, and it sounds kind of cheesy and and all that, but when you can have an impact on someone else's business. That actually allows them to have that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And 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 I've got a guy in the inner circle as well that he employs very similar to one of our contestants, uh, employs um, stay at home moms. So the bigger we grow his business, the more stay at home moms he employs. Why wouldn't I be proud of that? Like, why wouldn't that feel good? You know, but that can play into your mind, too, because, you know, you get the haters and all that stuff. But what's your thoughts on that? Why don't you just why are you doing that? You want to just make money, don't you, Mike? Well, the the problem is that, that <laughs> actually I do. Everybody wants money, <laughs> but I can tell you that it's become a less and less of a factor because, and this can go off on a huge tangent, but there's like the the, the money to happiness quotient, and you get uh, diminishing returns very quickly. Like the more you make, you, the the you like you just want more stuff, and like it eventually, like things don't make you happy. And I've been through these. I agree cycles. with that. Yeah. So I can tell you the things that give me like immense satisfaction. Are actually ripping I mean, on Steve Chu. That <laughs> is my favorite thing to do. It really is. Like of all the things, like and that's the only reason I keep doing e-commerce is I can rip on Steve Ch- Steve Chow. Steve Chow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you were just talking about this. From the, first of all, how do I go sign up for the Inner Circle? How What's do you that? do that? How do you sign up for the Inner Circle? Oh, that's great. I'm glad that you're plugging yeah, that for me. I Thank that? you. Yeah, it's tasinnercircle.com. Perfect. It's application only. Right. You have to be at a certain level. Tas Inner Circle. Yes. So it's a great group. The, the thing that's really actually brought a lot of satisfaction to me, and, and I'm sure all of us have experienced because we all have similar stuff going on. The comments that we get when like when we've changed someone's life, you know, we've let all let them quit their job, we've allowed them to like get their business out of a hole, help them when they're struggling, just to like be someone to cry a sh- on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. That stuff like brings me way more satisfaction than seeing one of my products sell better. Mm-hmm. And that's really the honest truth. I know it sounds like BS because like that's the stuff you're supposed to say on a commercial, but I'm a weird, twisted person. <laughs> what do you got to say there, Mr. Chow? I want to say that uh, it was kind of rewarding, right? We were on the five-minute pitch, and all of us, some of the contestants referenced all of us in changing their lives, and that was very rewarding. And when you get to uh, Scott Volker's age, <laughs> your priorities start to change, I'm the right? oldest one at this group, too. Yes. That's pretty sad. We call him Grandpa Volker. <laughs> Actually, it's so, going to be Pop Pop. I've pop, already pop, I've, pop, I've already pop. agreed on the okay. name. I am. I got a daughter, twenty three. She's probably ready. Yeah. So when I'll you get to pop. Scott's age, he starts getting a little preachy. But uh, it's true. 
For me, it's all about the happiness quotient. So I'm taking on projects now that just make me happy, like five minute pitch, podcast, yeah. the blog. Focusing yeah, on th- there's that really exists. no money being made here for us oh, to yeah. do five minute pitch. We're in debt actually in this project. As of right now, um, actually, if you want to be a sponsor of the five minute pitch, reach out to <laughs> Steve Chu at My Wife Quitter Job. Is, is that happens. how they would get a hold of you? Y- you know, you're, you're in this too, you're yeah, but you're going to take care of the sponsors. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, email support at theamazingseller.com. And uh, if you're interested in being a sponsor, we have not locked all of the sponsors in, but we do have. Some interest. So uh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know that like life's taking a turn for the worse when you're paying to be happy, like to be like, to hang out and have this happiness thing. <laughs> See, we're just talking about that's pretty much what's happened with the five minute pitch. We're this all is, like, this has been let's, pretty let's, awesome. Let's write a check so we can like hang out together, be happy for three days. <laughs> this has <laughs> been away from our lives. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This has been pretty awesome. Some really great guest judges. I'm not going to give them away. So you, you guys can go over and watch the five minute pitch when it airs. Some really great judges. Uh Great conversations, great connections, and great people that were actually helping. And I think that even though they're not going to win, maybe some, you know, most of them, because, right, like you got like one winner, right? They're all getting value. And the people watching this are going to get value. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love doing this stuff. I uh, I can't wait to, uh, we know who the finalists are as we record this. We're not going to give any of that away, but we got some finalists that are going to be coming to Tell the. Tell about the twist. No, no. No, no, just tell them that there was a twist. There's a twist at the end. But I can't tell you what the twist is. But the finalists are coming to Seller Summit in Miami. If you want to be a part of that, is it sellersummit.com, Steve? Sellersummit.com. Come get your ticket. Uh, There's not many tickets left, so you guys have got to go do that soon because uh, it's a very small, tight-knit conference. It's one of my favorite ones to go to every year. Um, mostly because Steve allows me to speak and you know gives me, yeah, it gives me an opportunity to feel good about myself for about three minutes until he tells me I did a horrible talk. But besides that, it's it's a great conference. There's a lot. The thing I really love about it is it's a smaller conference compared to some of these like massive conferences out there. You get an opportunity to talk to other like-minded entrepreneurs, get away from the office for a few days, and and really like commiserate in some ways with other entrepreneurs, but also learn a lot and just get away from the office and, and think about something different for a few minutes. What I like about my event is that I got the stage and I can make fun of anyone I want and I got the mic and no one can know. I'm actually afraid this year. <laughs> I am. Oh, we got funny photos. That's right. That I have to work with now. Yes. yes. Just need to tap into Liz's uh, archive there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a great event. Uh, you know, I will be there again. Thanks to Steve inviting me back. It's my fourth time being back. Yeah, you guys have all been every year. Yeah, this is this is pretty crazy. So I'm excited to be back. I know a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are repeats that come back as well. So it's it's always a pretty pretty nice group. It seems. I mean, from an outsider perspective, it seems like half the audience. I don't know what the real stats are, but yeah, actually, uh, we sold over fifty percent of the tickets within a week of the ending of the last one. Yeah, so, yeah. And and let, why don't we talk about this real quick? You make a lot of money on the event, don't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Man, for the. For the amount of work involved, and I'm I starting mean, to learn this right now. Yes, that's right. With yes. Brand Accelerator, Brand Accelerator Live, it's, it's you don't you don't realize what it takes. Yeah, it's, right, it's a lot of work, and I, I actually I questioned myself, and you kind of warned me before I did it. I just wanted to do it because I wanted to bring the community together, and I wanted to have my own thing. And uh, I've got something I'm going to reveal there that I'm working on a little secret project. Nice. But but yeah, man, uh, it's you don't make any money really. I well, mean, you got to put a lot of money down you, first. You have also. To, you're taking a big risk, you know, and it's really to help the people. I mean, you could do so much more doing a workshop or a webinar or something like that, right? But 
it's it's really about the people, the community, you and Tony. We got to give Tony some credit here. We do. We should Let's give her a shout out. Yeah, Tony. Tony, she, you're she's awesome. the uh, secret behind the success. She of, is of the business. She That's really great. is. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's it, it's really not a money play. It's uh it's it's really bringing a community, and you have a great community now that comes there like every year, and and our events are going to be similar, right? We purposely kind of keep it kind of small so everyone can hang out, yes. meet each other, yeah, develop their own masterminds. Yep. Yeah. Keep and, in touch. And there's been a lot of that, right? I've heard a lot of people say, I've met you know so and so at the event. We've kept in touch. We have our own little weekly mastermind or monthly mastermind. So because it's lonely, man. That's why we got to put on five minute pitch just so we can hang out. I know. I know this is this has been a, a great three days. Actually, it's tiring though. My my, uh, I, I said this. My hips are sore just from crossing my legs different ways. So we I need like a different chair each day. Jammed up, to, like you know. Uh, <laughs> but all right, let's uh, let's wrap this up. I think we have dinner plans that should be arriving here soon. Um, anything else you wanted to add about any takeaways? Like, give me one takeaway right now that's just kind of like in your head from from the five minute pitch. I mean, this is going to sound so stupid. But I'm gonna say I love my life. Seriously, man. Like it's it's been great hanging out with you guys and, and the guest judges. Like I love doing this stuff. Like it just uh, like this is such a it just been it's been so awesome. Like I really like you know Thanksgiving's coming up as we're recording this, and I've been thinking a lot about this type of stuff. I'm just like thankful that uh, you know I've, I've been able to live such a cool life, been able to travel, do cool things, meet cool people, be an entrepreneur, and not have to like live on someone else's terms. Like this is the type of thing where you really realize, and that's really cool for me. My biggest takeaway from this is it was an excellent reminder that I just love working with entrepreneurs. It's just like such a passionate group of individuals. I love hearing all their different stories. It's really easy just to get stuck behind their computer week in and week out and not really have like those connections with other people. And hearing all these different individual pitch, all their very different businesses, all the different ways to create businesses and how they've like really like changed their lives just like had a huge impact on on their whole lives was uh it was, it was pretty magical uh, it was special i agree with mike it's funny uh all my friends back home they're all a lot of more asian we're all engineers lawyers and, and doctors i just don't get a whole lot of entrepreneurship love so i i just realized that i just love hanging out with entrepreneurs and uh, the more I can do to build the community or, or have events like 5-Minute Pitch or Brand Accelerator, I'm there, man. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's funny. I, I want you guys' take on this one, too. This is another one. I didn't think about this one. Like, you get to a certain level, though, right? And you think, oh, once I get there, it's kind of like you're done or, or you made it. And, and then you get there and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this is cool, but what's next? Right. Like what's going to energize you. But from here, I think what I really learned from the people that we were able to hang out with is just like Greg said, like they're hustlers, like they want a lot of them want the lifestyle. They want a lifestyle business, but they want to also create something that they can be proud of and that they're passionate about. And a lot of passion ran through this group. A lot of passion. You got to have a higher purpose, too. Like I know for me. We did it so we could stay at home and uh, spend more time with the kids. Yep. But if you're just doing for the money, you'll probably eventually feel a little bit empty and mm. you'll you'll be looking for something else. Yeah. And I mean, money's good, right? Money allows us to do really cool things and travel and whatever, or just spend more time with your family or your friends or do this stuff. You know, I basically flew here five hour, you know, flight 
to get here to hang out with you guys and then also hang out with some cool entrepreneurs for, you know, for three days and, and run through this process. And that's what I'm really finding is just like I'm really being able to meet cool people like you guys hanging out with you guys, building our relationship deeper and expanding our minds. And I mean, who knows where that's going to go, you know, but just these people that were able to help just is really so, so just satisfying. Yeah. So, all right, let's wrap this up. All right. Let's let's wrap it up. I know we kind of rambled a little bit there at the end, but that's just because anybody still listening to this thing. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think they're, I think they are. Um, all right. Five minute pitch. I'm going to give you guys one more pitch on that. All right. Head over to five minute pitch dot com. Register over there or sign up. You'll get notifications. Um, you can also uh, probably go on Facebook and find it. Find it around there, too. I, I know, Steve, you posted some stuff over there, and I'm posting some stuff. Um, but, yeah, just follow along. It's it's great to follow along, get some information from just listening to these people's stories, how they got the ideas, how they kind of got to where they are, where they're going, the advice that we had given them, some feedback, all that stuff. You'll definitely learn through that process. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Mike, what do you want to say, man? You, you good? You, you want to wrap it up? You want to give some words of wisdom? Words of wisdom. I think uh, you gotta be ready to come on five minute pitch season two. I'm announcing it right here. Are we gonna do this or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we gotta figure out everything else, but yeah, I think so. Um, we're gonna say ninety five percent. Yeah, something like that. All right. We uh, the all right. Serious words of wisdom. Yes. Here. Give me that. You don't have to plan everything in advance and like worry about everything in advance. I mean, I, I think that the five minute pitch is a perfect example of this. We had a general guideline of what we wanted to do here, but we knew that we could create a good final product. And and, and it's interesting, if you knew what was kind of happening behind the scenes, it was a little bit of a, a poop show in some, in some regards. But I think that the final product is going to come out good because, you know, they were really good contestants. Um, you know, we, we're, we're all pretty confident that we can produce good content. And I think it's important because, like, if you if you're if we had sat around and tried to plan every little detail, we we never would have got this off the ground. We were just like, let's do it. And we did it, and we figured it out. And I think that we haven't seen the finished product. We're still figuring some of this stuff out. But we got to this point, and I think when we see the final product, we're going to all be really proud of it. Mike, Mike, first of all, I think we're giving ourselves a little bit too much credit here. <laughs> this would not have happened whatsoever without Liz. Liz. She oh. is the brains behind the project. Uh, if it was just us, uh, I don't even know if we would have made it out to California, to be honest I mean, with you guys. We would be sitting here. We would be sitting here. Exactly. <laughs> We'd be like, hey, did you guys book the, the contestants? No, man. I thought you were supposed to do that. What do you think, Greg? Last words of wisdom. If you're thinking about coming on the five minute pitch because you do have a business and you're an entrepreneur, but you're scared, I'll just let you know that every single person that made it into the final round thought they absolutely had no idea and that they would have been the worst person pitching on it or whatever else. And it just goes to show that I think everyone doesn't realize how good they actually are or how good mm -hmm. of a business they actually have. So if you're on the fence or just thinking about it, I consider I would uh, recommend for you to apply. Yeah, so head over to 5minutepitch.com, and uh, you can go ahead and register there and then get more information about if you want to apply for maybe season two. Is that it? Mic drop? Mic drop. All right. Mic. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Us kind of just reflecting on like how that felt to go through and listen to 32 different 
you know, companies and see how they started and, and just to kind of hear our take on it, I think is a lot of times useful. So hopefully you got some value out of that and hopefully you're excited to tune in for five minute pitch. Uh, if you are interested in following along and getting all of the latest updates, head over to five minute pitch.com. You can get all the, uh, all the details over there. If you want to apply for season two, I believe that we are accepting applications as of right now. So if you have a bootstrap business that you want to, uh, pitch to us next season, definitely go and, uh, and apply there as well. All right. So guys, that is going to wrap up this episode. It went a little longer than I thought. I told those guys, I said, you know what, let's just go ahead and, uh, let's fire up the mics and maybe talk for 20, 25 minutes. And it turned into about 35, 40 minutes. And that's just the way that it goes. But anyway, hopefully you got value from that. That is going to officially wrap up this episode. I want to remind you, as always, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you. But you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. We're going to do this together. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day. And I'll see you right back here on the next episode.